Hey there, it is Sophie Rentschler with the podcast today. I am here with Miss Rita Fuller-Yates. If you want to go ahead and introduce yourself. Hello, everyone. My name is Rita Fuller-Yates, and I'm actually a lifestyle expert. And I call myself that specifically because I teach uh, the African-American community uh, different topics, and I'm a resource to ensure that we're constantly evolving. Awesome. And where did you go to college? Give us kind of that that background of your education. I have a, a bachelor's degree from Ohio University in history. Um, and I also have a master's degree uh, from Savannah College of Art and Design. Wow, that is, we are going everywhere. That's awesome. That is <laughs> truly awesome. And of course, and what did you do in high school that kind of led you to this path? Well, what I learned is I've always been a leader, um, but I've always been one that was sort of afraid to be who it was that I was supposed to be. And let me explain that. So when you're a leader, you can always help people be effective. And right. I think when I was in high school, I knew I was a leader because I would always help people be effective, but I would never take my mind to a place where I thought I could create things for myself and build and make a difference that way. Because to me, uh, I don't believe that I had the confidence in high school to know that a little black girl from Columbus, Ohio could change things. Right. Um, so as time evolved, I learned a lot more about myself and was able to create new things. But in high school, I knew, I think it was important to practice just being a leader. And that was yeah. one of the most effective things I was practicing. I was a cheerleader, so I was always in front of people. So it didn't uh, scare me for people to be staring at you. You mm -hmm. know, right. Um, you already got through the girlfriend stuff, people having opinions about you, you know, <laughs> because as a leader, that's part of the battle. Right. Why many of us don't become leaders because we know there's going to be a lot that people have to say about us. So I think I got through all of that in high school and it was preparing me for what it is that he was gonna be doing later. Wow, yeah, I mean, especially with that whole judgment thing, I think that's what a lot of people fear in this world and in the journalism industry, it's a big thing, especially broadcast, you're in front of a camera all the time, you know, like that is a really, I think, especially those performative clubs and the organizations in high school really set that bar to make sure you're ready. So absolutely fantastic. And was there a moment in high school where you kind of knew what you wanted to do? Did you figure this out in college? I, again, I think what I was doing was developing what I was going to become, but I always knew I was a teacher. Okay. So even from being a little girl and you're playing with your friends, I was always teaching. Okay. I was always helping. Um, and even my girlfriend says, when uh, she was maybe three or four years younger than me, that I would go down there when I'd be learning something in elementary school, mm -hmm. I would go down there and teach her. <laughs> so okay. I've always been a teacher. I believe that uh, I want to go back a little bit because I heard you say something and, I, and I'm seeing something that I never saw when I was growing up. So it was very rare that you saw black women on TV. Right. And if you did, they were an exception. So even at OU, 
there were many of black women who wanted to be in the journalism world or the media world. Yeah. That they chose journalism specifically because they didn't think they were going to be able to get opportunities on TV. Wow. So I'm seeing that, you know, you're preparing yourself for something that's an opportunity now. So that's pretty cool. Right. And I think even you just saying that, you know, like these, these women that were African American, Mm -hmm. they were just like, it was by chance. Like they, Mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying? Like to have that be the scenario, it says a lot about the, the playing field for like other women of color that wanted to be on air. And I think that's, that's a really big thing about what we're talking about. And we'll talk about later on. It's just the idea of intersectionality in the workplace too. You know, you got to get that diverse environment in order to make everyone happy. You got to have that to flourish. So absolutely. I'm really glad we touched that base early. So outside of college, um, this is similar to the high school thing, but outside of college, uh, did you do any extracurriculars there that you kind of felt expanded your, your whole mindset? Well, I went into corporate America soon after college. Mm-hmm. I didn't teach um, because I didn't enjoy history. And okay. I'll tell you a little bit about that. But ideally, I wanted to go right into corporate America because I needed an income. Right. So that was an easy, quick way. I, did, I knew I didn't want to teach history. So that was a good way for me to uh, start making uh, a career out of banking in finance. Okay. And then what I learned again was I learned some, um, that I was a, a, again, another a leader, mm-hmm. but I also started recognizing that I was again, fixing things. So I would come up with solutions at the bank where I would help solve problems through processes. And that is still what I'm doing today. Awesome. So that the whole bank job kind of transformed your outlook on really trying to, you know, help people in bigger and better ways. That's really awesome. That's really great. And I think that especially those corporate jobs, I don't know about you. I so I work at a salad place and I feel like I've learned so much even just being like in that that kind of corporate environment, you know, working with customers, being in public. It, it's it's helped me figure out what I want to do, too. Because I love it talking. Does. So I, I feel like that definitely helps. It's just kind of immersing yourself in the public too. So absolutely. For sure. And I think it also teaches you about people. And how they um, function. Yeah. 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 And even if you are working with employees or you are an employee with peers, mm-hmm. you know, that's that's a dynamic within itself. How do what do yeah. I share with my peers at work versus, you know, what we share when we're having drinks yeah that's yeah that's a great all of these dynamics are so important for you so i i I like that you've gotten into the the world of corporate america and you're learning early hey it's important yeah it is (laughs) yeah you got to kind of finesse the system in that way that's absolutely all right moving on to this next question so Oftentimes, performers, public speakers kind of have a routine to, like, ease their nerves, that sort of thing. Um, When it comes to your, when we were talking how you're such a good visual or just a storyteller in general, how do you kind of prepare yourself, especially when in that public setting, to, you know, stay calm and remain calm and just do your thing? 
That is such a great question, Sophie. I mean, I don't even think people realize that that's part of the job. That's very, absolutely, yeah. I mean, I don't even think people realize that's why people don't want the job. Yeah. <laughs> no, right. That's a very good point. I, You know what? I'm very spiritual, just to let you know. I'm not religious, but mm -hmm. I'm very spiritual. Okay. And so I, I always tell God every time I have to perform that it's not really me. So it takes the okay. pressure off of me. Yeah. But then at that time, I've got to be so steady, mm -hmm. you know, so for someone else, they can just grab the mic and just da 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 da, -da. I'm not that well versed. Okay. So yeah. And I that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. So as long as I study and meditate on whatever it is that he wants from me, I perform pretty well versus when I don't. <laughs> okay. That fair. That's fair. That's definitely every single time that I've asked that question, I have gotten one of two responses. It's either meditation, like you were saying, or kind of thinking about the spirituality of it all. So yeah, two really great methods. Absolutely. And carrying those out into the uh, professional journalism world is something that, you know, I got to be doing. So I'm going to keep that in mind. What are you doing now when you have to perform oh god I it's mean, being so young how do you manage that you know i normally so i do the school announcements every once in a while for this club that i'm in and i'm like hey guys we got a meeting on thursday like that sort of thing and before i go on i've noticed that whenever i'm in a nervous state the way that i relax is i ask questions so funny story actually for the podcast I was getting my blood drawn for the school blood drive. This is going to be a crazy story, but they're just like, my arm is up. I'm like in this bed. I'm like, oh my God. And the woman is like, you're about to, I'm about to put the needle in your arm. And I'm like, I can't do this. You can't do this to me right now because I am literally, I could hurl. Like I, my anxiety is to the roof right now. And I'm like, you know what? while you do this, can I just ask you questions? Can I just go through a series of questions? She puts the needle in my arm and I'm like freaking out, but I'm like, hey, do you like Snickers? What's your favorite kind of cookie? How do you eat an Oreo? Uh, I really want to know, like, what are the names of your, your parents? What's your maiden name? Like all these random things that, like, I have hardly talked to this woman. She's a stranger to me, but I've noticed that whenever I question other people, it takes that that layer of ice right off my back. So, Got it. so it's distraction. Yeah, exactly. And I, I do it in every single, like, I guess, high pressure element of my life. I run track and cross country. And whenever I'm like on that line, I'm like, Hey coach, what's your um favorite, like brand of water, like random, the most absurd things. But yeah, that's what I do. I feel like that maybe that that's the golden three meditation, spirituality, and a little bit of questioning. So absolutely, for sure. That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool that you're practicing that because I always wonder like, man, I don't know how people do this for a lifetime. No, yeah, I, I definitely don't know if that's going to evolve in my professional life, but it's it's been working pretty well. So maybe it'll stay the same. We'll see. What do you like most about your job? When I'm creating as an artist, I'm able to solve a problem. Mm -hmm. So, so often I didn't know I was an artist because it's never explained almost like words and stories and you're right, you're right. 
yeah is really a form of art because it's coming from different perspectives mm -hmm. they made it sound like it was just a curriculum just like, like math and english exactly it's either right or wrong and we know that that's not true mm -hmm. right so i had to learn that and i had to learn what was that when that meant i don't even like to be called a historian right that defined a certain way and i'm not that um so beautifully said be, yeah. yeah i don't even want to be known as that because mm -hmm. then you're going to think of that and then that's going to be you know one of the reasons so i guess to answer your question i love to create i love to solve problems and i love to help people so those are all what i do every day for my job so sign me up right no absolutely yeah put me on that list doing this. yeah and I, I just love that god chose me to do it Oh, that's so good. I love that for you. Oh my god, my heart's so warm. I bet the audience is feeling the same way. All right. And so this one is more specific to the major, um, like the whole theme of the project. But do you think we're kind of heading down a different avenue? But do you think like in your line of work being this like storyteller, have you like encountered any like injustice in your life and do you think that injustice may have been based off of like your gender i believe i mean i'm an african-american woman mm -hmm. i mean we could just stop there yeah i mean <laughs> i mean just being a black woman there's always some discrimination and historically um our our country was built on white men so yeah I, I, one of the famous lines that i use is you know, we all was in the selfie. We were all in the picture. We were mm -hmm. all a part of the story. That's good. Wow. I like yeah, that. Somebody just came in and cropped us out, you know? Mm -hmm. So now the other cultures have to go back and retract those stories. And now we're able to have a little more freedom and right. tell those stories. So to answer your questions, I was born disadvantaged. Yeah. So now I'm just working through the process and i do what's in my control so some of what's in my control is to teach the next generation so they can avoid feeling the way i feel yeah and i can't change everything but at least i can tell stories and tell them about the amazing communities that they came from absolutely yeah i you touched on so many great things there and i think one thing that I really liked is, and I, I've talked to many of my friends about this topic in particular, but, you know, these people, based on, you know, gender, race, that sort of thing, they were born disadvantaged. And it's really, when I think of it, I think of this, you know, stack of pedestals. And, you know, straight white men, hate to say it, but they're on, they're on the top of the pedestal in terms of privilege, and everyone else falls behind them. So I think that's really important to know, you know, even from like an HR standpoint where we're getting to with the whole misogyny in the industry, I think it's important to kind of note that these things aren't just made up. They're really internalized from the beginning, from the first days that our government was constructed. It's internalized. It's in the fabric. It is. Absolutely. So just like a pair of jeans and that thread that's... Mm -hmm. woven in the gene it's so easy to forget that that's what created exactly oh my god it's I've... easy because we just put them on where we don't never talk about the thread mm -hmm. 
It's the most neglected. Yeah, no, right. You are literally so awesome. That's poetic. I love it. Oh my gosh. Of course, everyone, the thread exists in your pair of jeans. Just keep that in mind. All right. You know, this next question, it really touches base with your whole career. So how do you personally work to combat injustice in your day-to-day life? I do what's in my control. So, and one of the famous lines I use is, I don't talk about it, because I'd be about it. Okay. Oh, I love it. Not good grammar. But But hey. Sometimes the African, again, we do what's in our control, right? Mm -hmm. And sometimes the African-American community, we talk too much. So my brand is all about implementing what I talk about. I'm not just talking about it. I can't just talk about it. We got to put some work in. I like that. We want to see change. I absolutely and I I had that conversation with the other journalists as well and um like other storytellers and they basically said you can't just say that you're this and that and then carry not carry it out like actions in every magnitude they speak louder than words so that is a very important thing and not just journalism in every industry so I 100% agree with you and I could not have said it better myself that's fantastic I know you covered that kind of racial standpoint, but what do you think about like injustice in terms of like being in an industry and being female? How does that kind of add on another layer? Say like I'm Peruvian myself and like say I walk into, you know, a corporate newsroom. How would it be different compared to like if I were a man walking in there? Like how would you explain that to someone? I mean, we still have to keep in mind who is in charge Mm -hmm. and when there is a male uh particularly a white male in charge um we have to be mindful of sexism and a lot of the processes that are put in place that goes against the grain of a woman even when we talk we talk about with a black woman in her hair um that you know that's a huge conversation is Mm -hmm. what type of hairstyle fits the aesthetics of a professional black woman why would that be a conversation right absolutely why would that be a conversation but that again is the mindset you got to think of who's in the boardroom who is questioning these things it's normally not women at all it's normally white men yeah so i would think if a woman was there she may be able to be like well i think they get perms and give some type of explanation of it but normally it's all white men Mm-hmm. And they don't, they just don't have the the knowledge. So, so often the system and the fabric that we were talking about is against us because we're not there representing us. Yeah, that's, that's really where people have to be. And mm-hmm. to diversify that too, it means everything. It means everything. Because say that there's an incident in the newsroom, exactly like you were saying, and you know, if it were a man telling it to me, I feel like I'd lose my marbles if it were something, you know, something that they can't understand, like the style of your hair, for example. And I feel like, especially with with what you covered, that topic with natural hair on television, that's a big thing right now. And that's a big thing that like news, news companies, it's still really bad, but there, some are starting to ease up on it. And I know a lot of women that have natural curly hair like myself that straighten it all the time 
they strain it all the time because their society conforms them to do that. And I think that it, it's all within that board. Say that there were a ton of people, women with curly hair and on the board, then everyone would think it's normal because they represent that group. So it really is it. You have to be, you have to be the change. So absolutely. Moving on to the next question. Uh, what, this one's kind of sentimental, makes my heart warm. So what would you tell your 25 year old self? That's my next question for you. Well, I basically tell myself that you're not in control of anything. Cause once I learn not mm -hmm. to control and not to think one, two, three, maybe, you know, four automatically, um, I started learning like, Oh, okay. God wants me to be great. Yeah but it's not how I believe I should be great. And it's not in my timing. And he's going to show me something bigger than what I can see. Because right. if I just go for the goal of what I can see, that's what I'm going to get. Yeah. But if I just open myself up to saying, okay, I want a little more, but I may not know what that is. He starts giving me things that I have no idea that even exist. And that's why I'm able to create new lanes. No, absolutely. I, I really think that is applicable to so much. And from a spiritual standpoint, I think that's what, I mean, it drives people to do crazy, insane, awesome things. And that's what we kind of have to resort to as our backbone in this, in an industry like journalism, that's so rigorous and challenging. Well, I think another thing in mm -hmm. that is how do you learn that? Because from the time we're born in America, I should say, mm -hmm. um, we're taught totally against that. Right. And, you know, right. So how do you begin as a young person? Mm -hmm. How do you know to think that way and be a little more open instead of it being very rigid? Oh, my God. That's that's a question that I haven't even pondered myself i mean like we're such a fast we live in such a fast-paced world and i think that kind of puts barriers on what we think we can't think and what we think we can think these last few questions are kind of interesting so this next one could really go any direction you want it to go but how would you encourage a environment in a workplace that is intersectional education i'm a pillar of making sure that there's resources so that all cultures can learn about each other mm -hmm. and remember we talked about the selfie in the beginning yeah yeah and we're all a part of the story and it's just so happened that we were cut out of it but just imagine if everyone recognized that we were cut out of it and everyone worked to learn every other culture that wasn't in the picture and everyone was actively trying to learn. Can you imagine what would happen to America? So it, I, I would encourage uh, diversity, basically, by teaching more about it, teaching more history, teaching more culture, having conversations where people are learning about each other, because we're not that different. No, yeah, I, you really covered every base. No, absolutely. I, I think with the whole education, it, it's what I've heard from so many other professionals 
and that's what it boils down to you know these people especially you with with your education in history you probably have such a better lens to scope out all these these things and ideas and concepts and ways of life so we would learn history like a story you know 1812 this happened and then a man came in and then they had a baby they didn't tell you that that particular story Mm -hmm. affected the african-american or affected women and yeah. so now have to go back and attach those things. Yeah. And that's what I'm doing. And that it's done purposely because yeah. it's from one perspective. I, I think too, it's like, it's about learning, but like finding ways to like interpret it. Because like they tell you this black and white story and it's like, you know, I, I get it, but I don't see it from this lens and I don't see it from this lens. And I think that's a really good way to put it too, because it's like, in journalism, when you write, there are so many different angles you can take. And it's like, can you see it? For example, if we're talking about, you know, like the anti-abortion protests, for example, if we're talking about that and we're hearing it from a woman that is Hispanic and we're hearing it from someone that is really wealthy someone that's not wealthy really really living in a bad area two different stories Mm -hmm. (laughs) you're going to hear a lot of different stuff and i think too like with that topic in particular like we could think about it in any any which way and i think it's really important that we talk about how important just listening is too because that's a big part of you know having like you said having those difficult conversations you know, change is not going to happen overnight, but, you know, if you chat with your bestie a little bit, and you chat with your bestie's bestie a little bit, and then you chat with their bestie, you're going to learn so much more about what the world is, and what what it means to be part of, like, an industry like journalism, where you capture everyone's story. So, that's awesome. That's great that we're talking about this to begin with, I think, for sure. Last question. Okay, this one's really fun. So, if you were to describe your kind of more more looking at it as far as like your career endeavor, let's simplify it to that. Let's boil it down. What is one word that would describe that endeavor? Teacher. I love that. And we like we talked about that too. You love teaching. It, it is what it is. Plain and simple. Hey, I mean, it's about learning what your purpose is. And that's what we're here to kind of inspire those Westerville North students to do. And that concludes our questions. Thank you so much. And you were, yeah, and you were a great, you know, interviewee. And I think a lot of people are going to learn from this. So stay tuned for the next podcast episode, but I am cutting it off. See ya. Bye-bye.